Here we are back again with another wonderful episode of Love Someone, our podcast that I do uh, in the hopes that I will inspire you to use your energy to change the world. That's the goal anyway, to share information and to invite guests that are doing just that, changing the world, making the world a better place. My guest today is just such a person, Jennifer Perry. Jennifer is the executive director of the Children's Action Network. Children's Action Network can, since its inception, by marshalling the immense communication power of the entertainment community, they're based in L.A., CAN inspires the public to take action on behalf of kids. CAN Children's Action Network is now involved in a national campaign devoted to raising awareness of the 107,000 children in this country who are legally free waiting for adoptive homes and they help to improve the outcomes for almost a half a million kids in foster care. Jennifer is also the co-founder of Foster More, a coalition of media and entertainment companies, nonprofits, businesses, philanthropic organizations working together to create greater understanding, greater empathy and action to improve the future of kids in foster care. Foster More shines a light on the accomplishments and potential of foster youth while helping to secure support for their academic success and helping to create a pipeline of potential foster parents. We have a big shortage of foster parents in this country. Under her stewardship, Can has received an Adoption Excellence Award from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and a Television Academy Honors for A Home for the Holidays, Can's annual special promoting foster care adoption. Not only does she talk the talk, she walks the walk. Jennifer and her husband, Andy, are the adoring adoptive parents of two daughters. We're going to pause right now. We're going to learn more and talk to Jennifer in a moment, but we're going to pause right now to hear from one of our fabulous sponsors who is making this podcast possible. This podcast is sponsored by a company making a wonderful product designed to help grow and strengthen hair. It's Nutrafol. Over 30 million women are impacted with weakened or thinning hair. So no matter what stage of life, thinning hair can be a huge problem. Nutrafol works by offering two targeted formulas clinically shown to improve hair's growth and thickness with less shedding. Nutrafol targets the five main causes of thinning hair, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism. It's physician formulated and 100% drug-free. They use medical-grade botanicals in consistently effective dosages, giving the most reliable results. Hair growth takes time. Over 80% of the women using Nutrafol showed hair growth after only six months. Not only does Nutrafol help transform your hair, it helps restore confidence as it works. Growing thicker, healthier hair with the help of Nutrafol. Nutrafol. Nutrafol.com. Enter promo code HOPE and save 20% off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer anywhere, and you'll receive free shipping too. Get 20% off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Nutrafol.com. Use the promo code HOPE. 
This offer is available for U.S. consumers for a limited time only. Hello, Jennifer. Welcome to Love Someone. I am so grateful. Thank you for being with us on this podcast. You know that foster care and adoptive programs and and adoptive kids and building families is more than, than near and dear to my heart, right? Yeah, I do. I do. It's remarkable what you've done and the incredible family that you've built. So, yes, I I do know that. Well, you know what I find remarkable? I have a lot of resources. I'm very blessed. I have a lot of resources. My career, my situation allows me to have resources that most people don't. I have a nanny housekeeper that helps me with the young ones and helps me with the laundry and I can pay tutors to help my older kids. What amazes me is people like my friend Jan. She has two adult daughters that are building their families through foster kids and adoption and foster to adopt and long-term foster placements. And they don't have the resources I have. They're doing it all on their own and they're doing an amazing job. I'm like, oh my gosh, you wear me out just thinking about all the hats that you have to wear. I'm so proud of men and women who don't have the resources that I have and still are willing to step up to the plate and raise their hand and say, I'll do it. I'll love a child in need. That takes a special kind of hero. It it does. And I couldn't agree more. You know, I really feel that foster parents are the unsung heroes of America because here are people that step up and say, you know, I want to give a child what I can give them, love, support, stability. I want to help them realize their potential. And they are taking a child, you know, that they've barely ever met into their own home, making a pledge to that child, sometimes a short-term pledge, sometimes a lifetime pledge. It is a remarkable thing to step up and do. And I, I truly feel that we should create some kind of a mechanism to sing the praises of these foster parents get them the support they need, and recognize the extraordinary work, to your point, that everyday people are doing every day on behalf of youth in foster care. So walk us through how does a child end up in our foster care system? How, how I mean, we got almost 500,000 kids in foster care. How did they get there? A child goes into foster care when an adult in their life, um, it can be a teacher, a doctor, a neighbor, a friend, is concerned that they are in danger, um, that, that their, their lives may be at risk um, given their home situation. And frequently that danger arises from uh, substance abuse on the part of the parents. We've sadly seen an uptick in youth in foster care because of the opioid crisis. And when someone is concerned, uh, they alert the authorities and they come to investigate. And if the authorities deem that the child is in danger or at risk, they are removed from the home and placed with a foster parent or in an emergency foster placement until the situation can can be assessed. And it's always important to remember that a child is placed in foster care through no fault of their own. Uh, They've been in a dangerous situation and removed. And, you know, the hope is always to reunite that child with their parents. Uh, that doesn't always happen, but that is always, that is the, the first step in foster care is to say, are these parents, if they're given more support and wraparound services, will they be able to get their lives together so that they can support and take care of their kids? 
So you've been at this a while. How has foster care or kids in foster care, how has it changed? I got my first foster license in 86, and everything has changed since then. What do you see some of the biggest changes are? I think one of the biggest wholesale changes has been a tremendous uptick in awareness about youth in the foster care system. They truly, truly lived in the shadows. Um, At the time in 86, when you first went on your journey, um, people just did not know about youth in foster care. They had misperceptions, uh, misconceptions about the youth. And what's happened, thanks to the work of many, many good groups over the last 20 or so years, is there's a tremendous uptick in awareness about youth in foster care and hence the services and supports that are needed. And some of the changes are small, but so important. For a long time, uh, when children were placed in foster care, there wasn't a concerted effort to keep siblings together. Then there was the recognition that children will thrive more if they are, you know, have a sibling that goes into foster care with them, some semblance of their former family. I mean, that's a small change. At the larger level, too, there's been a much greater recognition of what happens to the youth who leave foster care when they age out at 18 or 21, depending on the state they're in. There was not a lot of awareness about the outcomes for those youth, which were not good, um, somewhat dire, in fact. And a lot more services have been created to support that particular part of the foster youth population. So how many states now continue to support kids till they're 21? That is a good question. I honestly don't know the answer how many states. It's a growing number. And... Uh, I don't know. I'm happy to get back to you. Um, I, I don't know if it's on my head. Well, last time I checked, it was like 12. And in most states, that's what the foster care system does still to this day. Okay, you're 18. You're out of our jurisdiction. Bye. You're on your own. That is correct. And if you think about a child who grew up in a supportive family, no one says them at age 18. See you later. You know, go forth and prosper. Um, so you can imagine a youth who's had a traumatic childhood hasn't been mentored, hasn't learned all of the, the basic sort of life skills that you do, sometimes just by watching a parent or a supportive adult. Uh, so the move to continue to support youth in foster care to age 21 and even even past that, there are some areas that are looking at up to the age of 26. Um, we know so much more about the way youth brains develop and their coping skills and how some of those aren't fully developed until age 26. And also because foster youth typically end up a couple of years behind at an academic level, it takes them longer to get through the education process. So we need to continue to support them as they pursue higher education as they get older. So uh, there's 12 million reasons it's, it's vitally important to support this youth population. So Jennifer, what is Foster More? Tell me about your organization. How did you birth this? What what inspired you? What what was that aha moment where you said, you know what, I can use my gifts and talents and skills and I can change the world for these kids. Tell me about Foster Moore and, and how that was born. I've been working in the foster care arena quite some time uh, in an organization called Children's Action Network that has a number of projects that work to improve outcomes for youth in foster care. And we came to the growing realization that uh, a significant part of making a difference for these youth was shifting attitudes and perceptions, was making people realize that youth in foster care are the epitome of resilience. They are a resource 
and they need all the supports we can give them to thrive and prosper. And we realized that in order to do that, in order to change minds and move the needle on people's perceptions and awareness, we had to launch a broad-scale public awareness campaign aimed at moving hearts and minds, enabling people to really see who these youth are. So that was the, the sort of the core of our Foster More effort. And we launched a broad-scale public awareness campaign, again, aimed at saying youth in foster care are resilient and will thrive if they're given the supports they need. Uh, one of our first PSAs was called I Am Amazing. And it was about just that. Foster, you're talking about I am amazing. I, need, I just need an adult to guide me along the way to realize who I am. So over the past several years, we have continued this broad-scale public awareness campaign. And one of the things that drove it, I'm sorry, this is a long answer, but we had sensed that in the general public, attitudes about youth in foster care, people either didn't know who they were or they had the misperceptions that I've referenced. And we did focus groups. And it was very interesting because it showed that out of three focus groups, no one even knew a foster parent. And their attitudes about foster youth, they were scared of them. And it really drove this campaign to shift the paradigm and get people to think entirely different about foster youth. Because that's the only way that with people thinking differently that people are going to step up and assist these youth and the resources are going to be directed towards the youth. Uh, we have also realized that there is a pressing need for foster parents, uh, particularly wonderful ones like yourself. And as you well know, um, the number of youth in, in foster care greatly exceeds the number of foster parents. So since Foster More is a coalition of entertainment, philanthropic, business, we knew we could turn our entertainment skills and resources into a campaign to recruit foster parents. So that's one of the other driving pieces of Foster More. It's a concerted campaign to recruit foster parents so that we address the pressing need for those within the system. I think the good news is when you start to tell the story of these youth and you tell people who they really are and what our duty and obligation as human beings is to these youth, people want to engage. How many kids have you fostered? I have fostered two kids. And we entered this process to be truly foster parents. It was when L.A. had a huge uptick in youth and foster care. It's, it's in the same place now. And we really felt that there was a place where we could and wanted to step up. And as fate would have it, we ended up adopting our girls. We met them at uh, five and seven. We were initially respite parents. Jennifer, we're going to come back in just a moment. We are going to take a break here for one of our sponsors. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about how to become involved, what that looks like, and give some people some direction. So we'll be right back talking with Jennifer, the co-founder of Foster More, a coalition of media and entertainment companies who care about kids coming right up. Want in on a secret of keeping your kids busy with a fun project? From Annie's Young Woodworkers Kit Club, the sponsor of this podcast. Now, what they send to your home each month is perfect for encouraging kids' creativity. They're able to build something they'll be proud of every month. Annie sends you the supplies, the instructions, even the tools 
When you sit down and help your kids put the project together, it's a fun time, a bonding time, and the pride and sense of accomplishment that comes with mastering real-world building skills goes a long way. The Young Woodworkers Kit Club is designed for children 7 to 12 years of age. It's the perfect window of opportunity to pass on a love for woodworking. Visit youngwoodworkers.com slash love for 50% off. That's youngwoodworkers.com slash love for 50% off. Jennifer, welcome back to Love Someone with Delilah. We're going to talk about what does it take if somebody is listening and says, you know what? My kids went off to college and I kind of have an empty nest syndrome. Maybe I could, maybe I could foster, or maybe somebody says, I'm a single mom and I've got one son and he would like a sibling. Maybe I could do foster care or do a foster to adopt. What is a foster parent and where do they start? A foster parent is truly anyone with love in their heart who wants to bring a kid into their life and nurture them and provide them stability and provide them a better future. That can be that couple that you just mentioned whose children have gone off to college, they're feeling like they're empty nesters. It can be a single woman. Uh, The foster care system is really open to anyone who has the desire, the willingness, and the heart to be a foster parent. The process itself is you go to whatever the local agency is in your locality, and you take classes for roughly six to eight weeks. And the classes are really to help you Um, to help prepare you for this journey, which is new and different for many people. And then you have a home study, basically a way for social workers to come out to your home and assess that it's safe for a child to be there. Okay, so so now, at least in the state I'm in, because of COVID, they've they've moved the foster classes online. I don't know if that's a nationwide thing. I don't know if that's changing because uh, the... COVID situation is opening back up. But I have to say, Jennifer, that I thought I was going to hate the classes, but I loved, I loved them because I got to meet other people who were like-minded and I formed friendships back in the 80s, the first time I got my foster license, that I still have today because of those classes. That's pretty wonderful. No, the classes are a great bonding experience and they're also... It's wonderful to look around that room, having taken the classes myself a million years ago, to look around that room and see just how many different people are about to embark on this journey with you. And it's equally important, as you mentioned, to form those friendships because being a foster parent is rewarding, but it can be challenging. And it's really wonderful to have people you can bounce things off of, ask questions of, in addition to the social workers and other people who are coming to your life. But, you know, to help support you on this journey because it's an amazing journey, but it's new for everybody. And it's really nice to have a bulwark of, you know, advice and support uh, that you can turn to. So the process is the classes, the home study, and then after that's complete, what can somebody expect? And one more piece of the process, just so people know all the pieces. Um, You are live scanned. And then what happens is you are, in essence, waiting for a match or to meet a child. And one of the things I want to say, because sometimes people think going in that they can't articulate what they're comfortable with, because some people 
are completely comfortable having four kids in their home. Some people want younger kids. Some people want older kids. Um, it's okay to say that to the agency and the social workers that you're working with, to say, you know what, here's my comfort level. Here are my parameters. Here's what I feel I can take on. It's okay to say that. I got to interrupt Jennifer and say, not only is it okay, it's vitally important. Yeah. Because if you know that you are not built to be changing diapers or heating up a bottle at two o'clock in the morning, you need to speak up and say, I'm excited to do this, but I really only want a school-aged child, or I really do best with toddlers, or I, I really would like to work with teens. You, you have to be able to articulate that. Otherwise, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Yeah, exactly right. And, you know, there are so many teens out there who are looking for stability and permanency. So... To your point, it's so great to think about and consider teens uh, because, you know, they're about to embark on a really big life journey and and having the support of a family can make all the difference in their future. Um, And then after you've gone through that process and you've articulated what your comfort level is, you're waiting. You're waiting for a match. You're waiting for the call from your social worker that says, you know, I have a young boy or I have whatever it is that you've articulated and they are in need of a foster placement. And at that point in time, if it's a match that works for you, that child will be placed in your home. Uh, Sometimes there's not a lot of notice. Sometimes there's more notice and your journey will begin. I think it's important, Delilah, to also let people know that, you know, being a foster parent, you, just ha- you also have to remember that the first goal when a child goes into foster care is to reunify them with their biological parents. And it happens about 55% of foster parents end up adopting the children that are placed with them. So that gives you a sense. Reunification is not always possible. It is the initial goal because it's so important for that child to retain that family bond if it's at all possible. So I just think that's the thing that happens. It's the thing that a lot of people talk about. And every situation is different. Uh, and children are in different situations in terms of their families. So every foster placement will, will be different. And what I encourage people, Jennifer, is if you want to adopt a child, if you know you want to build your family through adoption, it's really important to tell your foster worker, I want to do foster to adopt And that way they are actively searching for a child who is legally free, who the courts have decided they're not going to be returned to their bio family. They're legally free. And you can pursue adoption like in in the state I'm in. You do foster care for six months. And at the end of that six months, you can apply for adoption. And that can happen in a matter of weeks once the six-month period is up. A lot of people don't know that foster to adopt is an option that if you state that up front and you are working with a good caseworker, you will be matched with children who are legally free to adopt. That's such an important point. Back to articulating, you know, what your comfort level is in terms of the child and whether you are interested in adoption. Because the status of the children within the process is known. So if you do want to foster adopt, it's really important to, to state that up front. Now, what if somebody is listening and they say, Delilah, I want to help. I want to care. I just can't commit to becoming a full-time foster parent. 
what can they do? How can they help foster more or help Point Hope, my my organization that works with foster kids? Jennifer, what would you say to that person who's kind of raising their hand, but they know they cannot be a full-time foster parent? Well, happily, there is a myriad of ways that people can help. And they run the gamut from helping to prepare special duffel bags for children when they're placed into foster care with essential needs. There's a number of organizations that do wonderful work like that. You can help with an agency that is providing care packages for older youth. Um, Remember that youth go into the system with almost nothing. So working with an organization that addresses essential needs, uh, sometimes with older youth in particular, it's it's everything from clothing to laundry detergent to, you know, pencils and pens. Uh, there's a number of organizations that do that. If you want to be an advocate for these children, there's a wonderful organization called Court Appointed Special Advocates, and you are trained to be the child's advocate in court. So if you're interested in advocating, that's an excellent avenue to pursue. Can I just say that CASA workers make all the difference. I believe they are also the unsung heroes. They make all the difference in the world because oftentimes they're the only person advocating for the best interest of the child. Exactly. And all the research has shown that a foster child who who makes it into the world reasonably well, it's because somewhere in their life there was a supportive adult. And that could be a teacher or a CASA or a mentor Um, which gets me to the other role that people can play with youth and foster care is becoming a mentor. And there's different organizations, and and all the organizations across the country are different in different states. But if you want to be a mentor, try and find an organization there because, again, the advice and caring and guidance of an adult can change the trajectory of a child in foster care's life. And... Personally, I know you can't use names for privacy reasons, but tell me, Jennifer, one of your favorite, um, maybe from your own experience with your your children, maybe somebody that you've worked with or mentored, tell me one of your favorite foster care stories. Oh, gosh, I have so many. Um, Happily, I have so many. I think in particular, uh, there was a young man who I met. uh, We have a store that provides uh, brand new clothing for youth aging out of foster care, all donated. And I met this young man. He had aged out. He had actually gone to college and had to come back because he couldn't afford it. He was trying to get his feet back on the ground. Uh, He was interested in uh, the culinary arts. And I got him a job uh, at a restaurant, helped him with housing um, because that was a challenge for him. And people came together and bought him a car, and uh, he went on um, to pursue that culinary dream. And it's one of my favorites because he kind of exemplified why we all need to be a part of these youth lives, because he was well on track to go to college. Um, Let me throw in a stat that another place people can help, by the way. Uh, 70% of youth in foster care aspire to higher education, and only 3% are able to do that. 70% of youth in foster care desire, aspire to higher education to go to college. And what percent of kids in foster care actually get there? Three to five percent. 
I would say 100% of kids in foster care aspire to forever families. And what percent ever get adopted? We are looking around around now about 50,000 children are adopted from foster care every year. And um, that, that number has been fairly steady over time. So the good news is over the last 20 or so years, that's thousands and thousands and thousands of youth. Um, the challenge is, um, as you mentioned earlier, you know, we have 400,000 youth in the foster care system now. So people can help by being CASA workers. They can help by being foster parents. They can help by mentoring. What else? What else can we do? What if I, what if I own a restaurant? What if I own a small business? What if I own a big business? How could I get involved to help these kids? Uh, one of the wonderful ways that any business can be involved is providing internships or employment because it's crucial for these youth. So how do I how do I get in touch with them? How do I if I own a business, say I own a restaurant and I want to give a, a teenager a job, who do I contact? Well, it's more localized. So agencies within where you are. I mean, in California, there's a tremendous group called iFoster, and they have a job program that was created to combat exactly this issue. And I would hope that it could be replicated many, many places. iFoster has a jobs program, and it was created to provide jobs and employment and provide the skills that foster youth need for those jobs and employment. And they have partnered with more than 25 major corporate employers. So they offer interviews to the youth. Um, they, first, they train them. That's essential. So I foster trains the youth. Then they connect them with interviews with these 25 employers, and they get jobs. And because of the training and because it's such a good program, the youth, there's, there's three times the retention rate that's average for the industry. So it's a very promising practice in youth employment. And, again, I think one that should be replicated across the country because it addresses the need for training and the need for employment. And it's called iFoster. Yeah. And anybody who wants to figure out how to replicate that in all 50 states, be my guest, because if it's doing that amazing for kids to get them jobs and and teach them how to keep jobs, because jobs change lives. When you are independent, when you can develop those life skills to hold a job, pay your bills, pay your rent, pay your car payment, pay your cell phone, and you're not dependent, that changes the trajectory of your life forever. Exactly. And, you know, back to youth who age out of foster care are particularly affected by this problem because four years after they age out of the system, again, from ages 18 to 21, depending on where they are, 50% of them don't have any earnings. And, you know, those who are earning money are making an average annual income in the neighborhood of, you know, ten to $12,000 a year, not enough to live on. So this is a really, really important area. And we know that poverty is one of the biggest factors in addiction. So you're just repeating the cycle. If you're only making ten grand a year, you're 21 years old, you're trying to start your life, you're going to be constantly behind the eight ball, constantly feeling like a failure, and you're probably going to self-medicate just like mom and dad did. Yep. Poverty is the single greatest determinant for a youth going into foster care. Uh, so anything we can do, to your point now, to end the cycle, um, you know, to, to move the youth up the ladder 
into well-paying jobs, in, into a life that will enable them to thrive, we should be doing. And anything we can do to help their parents before it gets to that point, as a society, as a community, anything that we can do to help break that cycle of poverty will help kids. You know, it's the ripple effect. Yeah. I mean, the truth is, you and I have talked a lot about foster care, but, you know, the truth is, in the end, what we want to see is fewer and fewer children going into foster care, right, entering the system. We want to see the work done to, you know, focus on child and family well-being and the well-being of the family that the child is in so that the child can stay with that family. So foster more is vital now, and we need foster parents, but in the end, what we want to see is, you know, more families be able to find the kind of supports that they need in their communities to address the stress and challenges they face and therefore their children face. So we need more of these partners and communities to join together that we can, you know, build communities of hope for children and families because then we all thrive and prosper if the children in our community are thriving and prospering. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America. And enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on easy mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. 
Well, hopefully working together, Jennifer, with with uh, Foster Moore and the Children's Action Network and CASA workers. And I think for me, the main thing is helping people to become aware. So these kids aren't in the dark. They're not in the shadows. They're not throwaway kids that people are aware that foster kids need love. And if we all work together, you know, maybe those numbers will start going down instead of keep going up. You know, and I think an important part of that, too, and it's another thing that's, that's happily changing, is this reminder to, to listen to the voices of the youth when you're looking at doing things within the system, because they're the ones that are impacted by it. They can tell you what works and what doesn't, because they have lived experience. So that's just an important piece, and it's been growing over time. There's a great organization called Think of Us with a tremendous advocate who's been doing a lot of work to say, hey, youth voices, there's lots and lots of organizations, youth voices are crucial. You know, you're, you're shaping a system that impacts us. Let us tell you, those of us who've lived through it, what works and what doesn't and what needs to change. People forget how much I think their own families have given to them in the expectation that, you know, any of these youth can do it alone. Very, very, very few people that I know at 18 or 21 years old can be on their own. And even forget the finances. I mean, I was financially independent at 18. I left my parents home at 18. I never took a dime from them. I was financially independent. I called my mama at least twice a day, every day until the the day God called her home. I called my mom for everything. If I didn't know how to make a Thanksgiving turkey, I called my mom. I had that unconditional love and support that no matter what I did, I knew that my mother loved me more than life. Yeah. And to not have that is unimaginable, right? To, To have, instead of that, a chasm, to not really know where to turn, to not have that guidance and... On top of that, you know, so many of these views bear the burden of what did I do wrong? Um, Because it's hard not to think that, you know, what did I do wrong that my parents were unable to keep me? Uh, And that's a heavy burden to carry as well. But on a a lighter note, I talk to my daughter twice a day, um, you know, and uh, I can't imagine not. And and even you were asking earlier about a story about a, a youth in foster care, and one of my favorites is this outstanding young woman whose mother sadly suffered from addiction, neglected her completely, uh, you know, in a drug den, all the above. She is an extraordinary young woman. She got a scholarship. She went to Barnard. And it's funny how we all think she's such a beautiful young woman, coped with everything. And then I thought, how exciting to go to New York and have all these experiences. And then it was difficult for her from day one because she'd never been to New York. There wasn't anyone to tell her what New York was like. She'd never been in college before. You know, every experience that you thought would be wonderful and uplifting was a challenge. She felt like she didn't fit in. You know, it, So college was extremely intelligent young woman, but a struggle because there was nobody there to walk her through the norms and, you know, the norms and the pitfalls and everything else. Um, so she made it through, but it was extraordinarily difficult for her because there wasn't 
that steady force in her life. You know, no one she could turn to and say, I don't, I don't understand this. I'm lost. I'm flailing. And now, please tell me that she managed and is doing well. She did. She is. She moved to Bridgeport, Connecticut, and now Jersey City. Um, she wants to pursue a career in education, and uh, that is what she is doing. So she's an L.A. girl. An L.A. girl in Bridgeport, Connecticut. <laughs> I know. That's quite a culture shock, a culture change, but I love Bridgeport, so she will have fun. No, she would, no now she's in Jersey City, but she's oh. a little closer to New York. So, um, But I remember when she got into to Barnard, and I uh, took her shopping to get her ready for the East Coast, and we had a long discussion about why she didn't need those heavy coats and furry things, and I kept looking at her and going, when you're in New York on December 15th. <laughs> you are going to be glad I bought you wool socks. You are going to be, you are not going to argue with me. And she came home in December and we went shopping again. And she's like, can we get some more of those warm things, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jennifer, thank you for spending time here with us today. I think between the two of us, we could change the world. I think we need to figure out how to do that as a team. Well, Delilah, honestly, what you do on this show, what you do with your charity, your passion, I mean, your voice is extraordinary. I've been, in, I've been inspired by your passion. So thank you. And I hope we can figure out some other ways to work together because your passion and your clear-eyed view of the system, I think is, is just what we need. So thank you. Well, unfortunately, my passion and my anger get in the way and I'm not as effective as I would like to be. And that's where you come in because you sound like you have figured out how to use your passion in a very positive way to bring about the changes um, where I just want to take a sledgehammer and, you know, <laughs> I get so mad. We'll be a team. We may complement each other perfectly. And, you know, it's it's because our constant message is, and I'll just tell you that the way I sometimes sum up foster more is, you know, a lot of times now someone meets youth in foster care and they sort of go, ugh, what we want to do is change the paradigm so that someone meets a youth in foster care and they look at them and they go, oh, my God, you must be extraordinary to have made it this far with the obstacles that are placed in front of you. You have got to be resilient, have so much more potential. How can I help you realize that potential and give you the future you deserve? That's what we want. Well, to that end, let's work together. Jennifer, thank you for being with us today. Where can folks find you with Foster More? People who are interested in helping youth in foster care in any way, shape, or form, be it helping them with their education, becoming an advocate, becoming a mentor. Uh, they can find all those resources at our website, fostermore.org. So it's F-O-S-T-E-R-M-O-R-E dot O-R-G. I hope you will visit that. The foster care system needs partners and advocates and helpers, like all the people who listen to this show. If you listen to this show, and the wonderful Delilah, I know you're a person that cares. So I'm hoping we can harness some of that caring on behalf of youth and foster care. 
Thank you, Jennifer. God bless you. Go hug on your girls. I will hug on mine tonight for you. Okay. Thanks, Delilah. Bye-bye. Jennifer Perry, Executive Director of Children's Action Network and co-founder of Foster More, and most importantly, a foster parent who adopted her two foster daughters. Thank you for spending time here with us today. My head is spinning. My husband's going to say, no, 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 no. We can't do this again. <laughs> We're down to to just four kids at home. The first time I've had less than six kids at home in many, many years. But Jennifer, thank you for spending the time that you spent with us today. I want to encourage people to find out about how they can get involved with kids in foster care how they can become a foster parent or a CASA worker or a mentor, or how their business can get involved and hire teenagers in foster care who are about to age out or are aging out. So go to fostermore.org, go to the Children's Action Network, or check out Point Hope because we do programs for foster kids in many communities And together, we can use our resources, we can use our passion and our energy to change the world for good. I will talk to you next time on Love Someone. In the meantime, listen to my radio show every night, wherever you are. And if you can't find it, download the iHeartRadio app.